This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. Hello and welcome to the 2.1 cast. We're back again this week and we're going to talk about Rangers. Um, they faced Dundee this weekend, third home game of the league season, still no win. Um, but despite this and the defeat in Luxembourg, is Pedro Coutinho actually on track to do something good at the club, Stefan? Wow, what a question. Uh, <laughs> Let's just get to the point. I know, well, straight to the blunt. Um, is, he, is, is he on course to do something good? Um, I think... I think you know, the jury's still out on Pedro Coutinho, but I think um, I would say things have moved in the right direction since the Luxembourg defeat. Um, and this may be a bit controversial, but I don't actually blame him for that. I think history of not only Rangers, but Celtic and Scottish teams in general, and actually a lot of English teams too, um, the nature of those European qualifiers, I think, doesn't come down to really the quality of the teams that lose those ties. It comes down to just preparation and the fact that for a lot of the time, specifically with Celtic and Rangers, um, those games are the first competitive matches. Sure, they might have played half a dozen friendlies, but I'm I, I'm not convinced that that really helps you prepare for those games. So it's the same for everyone, though, is it not? I'm with saying, the exception I'm, of a few, a few countries. That's what I'm saying. Like right. it's, it's it's not it's, it's not Rangers losing in Luxembourg isn't uh, um, something that is unique to them. It's happened to better teams against worse off, not maybe not worse opposition, but. Better teams. It's happened. It's happened to better teams, and I think that's more a case of you know just professional clubs not being able to hit the ground running in that sense. Um, so I mean, I'm not 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 trying to justify or, or explain what was a embarrassing defeat by any means. Um, but what I'm saying is I wouldn't particularly blame him for that result. A hundred percent. Anyway, um, it needs to be discounted in a certain way when yeah, you're exactly. kind of looking at. It. I mean, it was it was such a bad result that it needs to be taken in isolation. And and I mean, look at. Brendan Rodgers' first game in charge, of, competitive game in charge of Celtic. They lost to Lincoln Red Imp. So you can, you know, you can record. Happened to Strachan as well. Was it not Bratislava? They had a really bad result. Was that? I don't think it was his first game, though, was it? Brendan Rodgers' first competitive game against Celtic was the qualifier against no, Lincoln I'm, Red I'm, No, Bratislava was Gordon Strachan. Yeah, Gordon yeah, Strachan. Yeah. That's when they got absolutely thumped. Yeah. Five yeah. nil yeah. or, or whatever. So yeah, like I said, it has happened before. Um, but I think then again, the league performances have been average. Um, you know. I was actually quite defensive with Rangers for that Hibs game. I, I thought Anthony Stokes should have got sent off without doubt. Uh, and I thought Rangers were the better team before they went down to 10 men, actually. So um, aside from a refereeing decision, I thought, you know, in a parallel universe where both players get sent off, I think Rangers probably could have went on to actually win that game or at least get something from it. Um, and they looked quite good against Motherwell the week before as well. The one game that stands out for me is actually the Hearts match. That's a game at home where I thought they really should have taken advantage of a Hearts team that, yeah, sure, maybe they maybe daily you know, drilled him into some defensive structure and he looked more dogged, but that's what really stand, what really troubles me for this Rangers team is they haven't really clicked attackingly yet, attackingly, in, a, in an attacking sense. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we can dig into that later on, but I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking like Graham speaks. <laughs> at, at some point, we're going to have to start getting some answers about Pedro Cachino because he was appointed, appointed in March. We're in September now, so half a year later, six months later, and it still feels like we don't really know who he is or what his team is. Yeah, but you can put an asterisk next to that six months by saying half of that was the off-season and he's had to rebuild a squad in that sense as well. Well, for Rangers, only one month of that was the off-season because, of course, they started playing games in June. But, um, yeah, OK, fair enough. A, a lot of it was with, with Mark Warburton's squad. But um, 
I, I, I think he has the building blocks of a decent team there. Um, they brought in, what, 11, 12 players over the summer. It's going to take time for those players to bed in and, and find their roles. And I, actually, I think a lot of them have bedded in a lot quicker than, than I expected. Um, you know, Bruno Alves, Graham Dorans, uh, Ryan Jack, Morelos up front, I've spoken about before on on uh, I think this show, on, on this podcast before, I think is, is really good, been really impressed with him. So there are signs there that there, there is a team. It's just whether it'll all come together in time. I mean, the clock, the, that's the way it is for Rangers manager, the clock's ticking on him already. So um, it, I don't want to pull out the old cliche that he needs time, but I think there is a genuine case in this 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 instance that with more time, they should get better. Do you think it may be afforded more time in the sense, well, I think there's the thing that the board have thrown money at him, first of all, um, he's been given money to spend, but I think secondly, Rangers are maybe in a different position than they have been, than they really ever have been before in the sense that they're maybe not expected to win the league right now because of coming, they've had to come back through the divisions, so he might be affording more time because of that, or do you think it's the same old kind of Rangers, or, or old firm, should I say, way of looking at a manager that there should be quite instantaneous success. He, he'll, he'll be given time if it looks like Rangers will finish second. And I think this is the first time I can remember Rangers ever going into us. Even last season, you know, there was still that, there was that little bit of sense of unknown about Brendan Rodgers coming in. Celtic hadn't been great under Ronnie Dyler. They'd lost to Rangers in, in, in the cup. Um, so there was still that little bit of unknown of how quickly will Rodgers set, um, you know, bed in. And how good are this Rangers team? Because people forget they were pretty good in the championship. It looked like they were on the right path under Mark Warburton. So even last season, there wasn't quite that um, acceptance that they would they, that second is, is the best that they can get. So I think as long as they are in that chase, I think Kashinia will get time. I think, yeah, what I'm really intrigued by is the perception that I, th I think the board that Rangers are perhaps um, far more um, patient here than the fans might be. Um, I think the board are quite happy because they, he's their man. Well, at least some of the board's men, some of the board members picked Kachinia, <laughs> and they, he needs, he's their man. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, and they're willing to give him time and money uh, and to try and help let him build his team in time. What perhaps worries me is that there's still huge parts of the Rangers support who demand that they challenge Celtic immediately. Um, certainly demand that they they tip Aberdeen this season. Uh, and even if the board might think that Coutinho is on his way to building a squad, if that doesn't become apparent through simple results, the fans might turn on him before the board want to turn on him. And if that's the case, then the board might have to just, you know, bite, up, bite their lip and, and throw him under the bus to save their face in front of the fans. I think it's acceptable that Rangers fans do, in the long term, expect Rangers to challenge Celtic again. Um, yeah, I'm not talking about long term. No, long. but I mean, I, I mean, that pressure does need to be there. Otherwise, you, you, I mean, I would compare it to maybe... Aberdeen, where Aberdeen in the long term probably don't think they can, they can challenge Celtic. And I don't think that's a particularly good thing. I know it's un, probably unrealistic that they're never going to challenge Celtic, but I do think that pressure needs to be there. He just, he, he, it's, I'd, I'd put the onus more on him than the fans. I just think he needs to learn to deal with it and maybe ignore it at times. Yeah, I mean, moving on, I, and this, I'm going to ask this question, but it might, it might slightly be too early in the season and with him having a new squad to answer this, but what kind of team are we seeing, or what kind of team, should I say, are Rangers under... Kachinya in terms of style, do we have any inkling into what that might be, or is it still, is it still a wee bit too early to tell? They've been more attacking than I expected them to be, particularly that that first game against Motherwell. Having watched the the game against um, Progress Neither Neither Corn, where there was 
there was no real identity whatsoever. They weren't an attacking team, they weren't a possession team, they were just a nothing team. I know that was very early, but I was surprised when the first league game of the season, and, and they seemed to be very quick um, hitting out on the counter-attack. We saw that against uh, Ross County as well. So uh, we, we did a piece, actually, first week of the, of the site, um, speaking to a number of um, experts and journalists from where he'd managed before, and they'd all said the same thing, was he doesn't really have a... a distinctive style of play he just he just um imposes a style of play depending on what he sees fit for that period of time so you know in mexico they were they were it was 442 in qatar he was fairly defensive pragmatic so i don't think anyone really knew what to expect he seems to have gone down the kind of counter-attacking route which would explain why they've had some troubles at home away from home they, they're they're more they expect you know they have a bit more space to gallop into. They've got the players who can do that. That's just about getting the, the player at home who who can kind of unpick the lock of a team that that's sitting deep. So that's what I've seen from them so far. But of course, only four four five games in, so um, very difficult to kind of tell what team he's building. Yeah, I think that's a fair enough point. I mean, what really stands out for me, I, I did a piece on the website actually yesterday, but this and kind of digging through how Rangers score goals, and it's really apparent actually that um, you know. We're looking at a team that is almost entirely defined in an attacking sense by their fullbacks. Um, in terms of like assists and you know key passes for creating goals, Aberdeen on Aberdeen, sorry Rangers of their six goals in open play from the season four have come from defenders, uh, and all of the goals in the Premiership that have come from open play have come from crosses from wide as well. So. We're not really seeing we're seeing we're seeing a defensive line that seems to have found its shape and is now learning how to attack and that's good because I think fullbacks are an underrated part of any any attacking team and Tavernier and Wallace have seemed to have slotted into that quite well but there's still issues with that midfield um, I'm not still entirely sure what Kenny Miller's role is he seems to be doing quite well to an extent um, he's always seems to give his all for Rangers but he's not scoring goals he's only maybe assisted one I think um, and Morelos seems to be just simply scoring goals from very direct crosses and long balls from defence. So it's it's it seems that the defence seems to have been sorted to an extent. And and to be fair, Rangers have only conceded have only scored one less goal than Celtic in opening four games. So it's not it's not suggested they're doing bad in terms of scoring goals, but it seems as though that midfield hasn't really been sorted yet. Dorns and Jack look decent, but there's no real there doesn't seem to be any creativity in the middle midfield yet, or at least uh Kachinha hasn't found the guy to do that yet. So well, it, sorry, no, no, cut you off there, Neil. But is that maybe what they envisaged Carlos Pena to be? Is that is that midfield creator? <laughs> and and uh, as you put it earlier, Neil, he, he looks like a bit of a Sibo so far. He does, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, um, the Invisible Man. It's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. I mean, well, when he's on the pitch, you can't miss him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Uh, let's just kind of briefly talk then about signings and the the varying degrees of success that that they've had since coming to Scotland. Who who stood out for you guys um, out of Coutinho's signings this summer? Bruno Alves, number one for me. I, I was actually pretty sceptical. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Looking back, it was maybe a bit naive and foolish. It wasn't like I'd watched him a lot in, in Serie A, but um, just looking at, at his age, and, and I just it just felt like a bit of a, a Joey Barton for me, just someone who was maybe coming to Scotland for, for a bit of an easy ride, but he hasn't been like that at all. He's been excellent, uh, really... Kind of the the, be the defensive bedrock that Rangers have needed for for a long long time. I mean, they've, they've not had a, a defender like this in years, and and the, the the professionalism he's brought to the club as well. Although I, don't, although I did see him in um, Edinburgh Airport once, and he had really dodgy trainers on, so that might be 
That's an important thing. L- lack of professionalism. Only, only the kind of analysis you get from the two point one there. Uh, <laughs> if you're two stripers, no, no, three no, stripers. They, were, they were like bright <laughs> red. Swiss or something. They were bright red with like metal spikes. Oh, oh, I know the exact ones you're talking terrible. about. Yeah. I mean, they were even worse than. To be fair, I, I can't really say much. I turned up today in a turtleneck, so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, fashion choices, right? Yeah. Um, I, to be fair, about the Bruno Alves thing, I was actually of a different opinion. Um, I was worried when Barton came in last season. With regards to Bruno Alves, I'd heard quite a lot of his teammates when he was in Serie A saying he's a kind of dressing room or locker room kind of leader, even if he's not the captain. He's, mm-hmm. he, he, he trains to a high standard, expects a high standard. He obviously still plays international football at a, at a later age. So I'd always thought he'd be a good signing um, for Rangers, but at the same time, I still think it's what Rangers have needed for quite a few seasons now. They've looked mm-hmm. dodgy at the back for his even going through the lower divisions they've never really looked that great well that's the, the thing they've, they've, not, they've lacked kind of um, I mean I think Rangers fans hoped Danny Wilson would be the guy to when they signed him he'd be the guy for the long term but hasn't worked out at all I, I think Danny Wilson is one of the worst passers of the ball in, in Scotland for, for a start so he's not the guy to bring the ball from the back and I know Bruno Alves isn't really the, the guy to do that either but well I'd say he is I'd say if there's one thing that stood out for me in Bruno Alves is his passing forwards has been exquisite oh of actually. course a, a diagonal pa- yeah, well, just, yeah diagonal forward, passes have been good his long passing is outstanding um, yeah I, I, I actually agree and I'm happy to admit that I was probably quite wrong on Bruno Alves as well I, was, I, I raised an eyebrow when he was signed don't know why looking back is. You know, we've seen you know players like David Weir and stuff like that who there have been senior defenders who've shown up at Rangers and they've done a good job over the years. But I mean, I think like I don't think maybe being a bit harsh on yourself there. I think there's been some players Rangers have signed and it's it might seem good on paper because they're professional. I don't want to say journeymen, but they've been played at high level yeah. and it's that kind of retirement home kind of thing. I think Bruno Alves was was marked down when he signed. Um, by myself and Stefan uh, uh, included, uh, I think we'd be happy to admit, because of that trip past track record of signings, that's what I meant by I said, you know, I think he was a bit of a Barton, mm-hmm. um, maybe not in terms of he's, he's off the field persona, but in terms of his age and everything, I think that's what kind of what we expected. And and, and maybe even Graham Dorans as well. I, I don't, I, Dorans has a great pedigree and I know he's still not, he's not as old as Bruno Alves, but I still felt like there was question marks against him as well. And he's he's been great too. Yeah, I, I, what I found really interesting is the fact that Coutinho has, has had no problem just um, not only bringing Bruno Alves in, but also um, you know Fabio Cardoso as well, who I think's perhaps done just as well. He's looked solid enough as well. The two of them seem immediate. Obviously, they're both Portuguese, so they can talk to each other. That, that sounds really bit obvious, but like you know, having another player beside you who speaks the same language as you when you go to a foreign country it makes a huge important deal for central defenders. That they well, exactly, yeah. Um, and not only that, but they've also got the two new central midfielders. So uh, in Jack and Dorns, who've both played well. Obviously, Jack when. Uh, you know, sent off. But besides that, um, so he's he's started this new season with two completely new pairings who've never played together before. And considering that, I think they've done reasonably well. And um, it's it's the players around that. You know, like Herrera's been good on occasion. Candias, still not really convinced by him. Obviously, Carlos Pena is a huge question mark over whether he can a, even get fit. And then when he is, if he's actually the quality that suggests the money they spent on him. But besides that, there's obviously then. Um, Morelos, who's, 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 he's the other one who's looked like he's really stood out as a recent signing. The most difficult part of, of when you're overhauling a team is finding the spine of a team. And I think that's where Cachina has succeeded so far. I mean, if you look at the spine of that team, for, you know, Bruno Alves and then Jack and Dorans, 
uh, Jack, deeper line, then Dorans, then Morelos. Seems like the spine is there, so it is easier to kind of add in the players around. As Stefan says, Candeus is one I'm not convinced on yet. And even if Pena doesn't work out, I know that he was the, the most expensive um, signing of the lot, a lot of money for him. Even if he doesn't work out and he's a complete flop or a SIBO, as you put it earlier, Neil, I still think it's been uh, the signs are it is a, it's an early it's it's a, the early signs are it's been a good summer for Rangers in the transfer market. Well, let's just stay on that briefly, and then we will move on to more football matters. Jamie Walker would have made a massive difference if he'd signed. Do Rangers need him? Because you're saying there's a bit of strong a strong spine there. Is that someone who could just be added in more as a kind of flair player, or is it would it just be a luxury essentially at this stage for Rangers if well, they signed him? Well, when they didn't sign him after deadline day, I was actually of the opinion that they didn't they didn't really need him. Um, a lot. I was kind of swayed by a lot of people making good points that Jamie Walker has very good games, but he's quite inconsistent. I think that 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 point holds true. But I then thought about it a little bit more, and and the as I said earlier, the problem for Rangers has been at home, um, where they lack someone to kind of just unpick the lock when the teams are sitting deep. And I think that's maybe where Jamie Walker would have come in quite handy. He's he's a player who who can do that. Um, if they can find a way to break down teams at home, I don't think they will miss Jamie Walker. But if if they can't, I think they might return for him in January. Yeah, I think, like I said earlier on, if there's one position in this team that I think really does need to be um, work needs work on, uh, it's the creativity in midfield. Um, I thought when when they signed Dorns, I, I had a feeling that and Dougie Wright actually wrote a good piece for us on this actually in the sense that you know Dorns is exceptional in terms of goal scoring, creating goals, and really just getting around the pitch in the championship. But he seems to be playing a further back role for Rangers so far this season. Ryan Jack as well. Um, neither of these two guys look at the moment, and I know we're only four games in, like the kind of player, like the kind of midfielders who can get further up the pitch to create goals and score goals. And if the, if Rangers are looking to play some in front of them, the only player that really she just seems to trust when it's Kenny Miller who um, like I said earlier on he looks decent uh, in, in, in bursts but he's not he's not a playmaker and he's even struggling to be a goal scorer these days as well actually so they also and on top of all that they don't really seem to have set, haven't really settled on a left winger yet Windass looked decent against Motherwell but he's been in and out they brought in Cranshire who I'm not even sure he's good enough to be centre mid for Rangers never mind left mid so um I think both have their moments. Um, I actually think Windass, this is no disrespect to Motherwell, but I think he maybe looked good in that first game against Motherwell because he was up against a kind of poor opposition number maybe. He looked great, but he's kind of flattered to deceive a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Cranchar again, he was obviously unlucky last season with the injury. Um, again, he's had moments where it's like the old Nico Cranchar. He's never obviously going to be up to speed, but you still think he could maybe do a job at this level. Well, but... I think he can do a job at the kind of quarterback position, which is maybe where you would, you would be able to push Dorans further, further up the field as if you had that midfield three of Cranchar, Jack and Dorans with Dorans as, as the furthest forward. And I think, we, I think they've done that already and we will see that a, a, a bit more. But... Um, yeah, Stefan says there is a bit of a question mark over the left side. Left side, that's maybe where Jamie Walker um, wanted want, was going to fit in. So I can see them going back in, in January for for Walker, yeah. or Briggle Halloran back. Which I've had this debate with a few Rangers fans on Twitter who've suggested that you know Halloran on the left and Wallace on the left doesn't really make sense. I'm not entirely convinced by that. Let's just briefly touch on this, and I mean briefly because I wasn't going to bring it up, but all these signings that are... Where are you going with this? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, so just going off the beaten track. All these 
players that have left Rangers and are scoring on their debuts and yeah. seem to be playing well, is, is it down to what some people are saying, it's the pressure of playing for a big club like Rangers, or is it mismanaged and played out of position at Rangers, or is it neither, or is it both? <laughs> well, <laughs> we have to choose one of them. <laughs> <laughs> quite, I guess, who wants to be a millionaire? For a friend. Um, well, Tom actually did a good piece on this on the website actually in regards to that and I think it is just mismanagement really. Um, O'Halloran when he was at Rangers was largely played on the right I believe um, which isn't his position. You know, He's a left winger who can cut inside and score goals um, which he just never did at Rangers. Mackay seemed to be something of a personal issue um, and you know I can understand um, there's also Waghorn as well and these guys seem to do well under um, the previous coach to a certain extent but if if Coutinho wants to come in, bring his own guys in, and I can understand that. But maybe he has overlooked the fact that you know you sell Mackay, you sell O'Halloran, and then you're left with really no left winger. Then, well, it's Mackay in that sense that surely the massive oversight. And I know because obviously he plays in the left, and I think I I get you know the whole tribalism of fans, and he was he didn't exactly lend himself to the fans and he was he threw a bit of a huff and a bit temperamental. I get that, I understand that. But I have been surprised by how many Rangers fans were kind of just willing to let him go for 500,000. He he's he was the most talented player in that squad last season. Talking about talent, not in terms of what he achieved that season. In terms of pure talent, he was above everyone else. He's gone to Nottingham Forest for 500,000, not a lot of money. And at Nottingham Forest, he's ripping it up. I know, I think, I think the problem with Barry Mackay was, um, for a lot of Rangers fans, was that Again, inconsistency, and I think it was even more frustrating because, like you say, he's got the talent, by far probably the most gifted person in that Warburton squad, and you could turn it on like he did against Celtic in that cup semi-final, but it just wasn't enough, and it would be often than not, he just wouldn't turn up. Um, and when the kind of contract dispute just kept rolling on, um, I think it was that... Th- I know, and, and what you're saying about tribalism is probably spot on, um, but it just... It was frustrating because even when he was he went to Green at Morton and stuff like that, he had the talent then, and it just it just he just never I don't th- I don't think he was ever really consistent enough for Rangers fans. Well, to to use an example, and I'm really reluctant to use a Celtic example to sh- to show maybe what Rangers should have done, but let, let's look at Stuart Armstrong who was in a similar situation. Um, he signed a, a year long extension, so it's not really like that res- that situation has been resolved. They've just put it off for another year. And as we saw in the Scotland games, Stuart Armstrong looks to be back in form and could be a massive figure for, for Celtic. That could have been the same for Barry Mackay and Rangers. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good point. I mean, Armstrong does look like a bit of a world beater. It's just amazing, like, because I think one of the podcasts about two weeks ago were saying he's not in form, he's going to struggle. And, well, he's here, it's on here, power <laughs> On fleek. Yeah. Um, let's kind of compare Rangers to other teams in the league then. So, simply, are they stronger than Aberdeen this season? Will they finish above them? At the moment, they're not stronger than Aberdeen. Um, I I think Aberdeen, as we've seemed to talk every week on this podcast about how well Aberdeen did did over the summer, but I won't go into too much depth there. I I think um, Rangers, as I've said, have the building blocks of a team. I think they they could become stronger than Aberdeen. I think that's entirely feasible. Players like Graham Dorans and and Bruno Alves are of a pedigree that are much higher than anything Aberdeen have got. Uh, Morelos as well. I keep going on about him. He reminds me of maybe someone like Javier Hernandez, I think he's a, a real opportunist, um, which is someone Rangers have been missing for for years and years. They've not had a striker like that, um, maybe other than Kenny Miller, um, who isn't quite of the same mould. So I don't think that they're, they're stronger than Aberdeen right now, but um, over time I, I could see them see them get in second place. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a... It's a you know, it's it's probably a moot point to try and go through each squad and then look at like which player's better than which. At the end of the day, it comes out the fact that Derek McInnes right now is a better coach than Pedro Coutinho. Um, 
and he's he's proved that for quite some time now. And I think what McInnes is fantastic at doing is building squads, and he's already managed to build a new squad at Aberdeen this summer, which looks fantastic. Their hundred percent record, um, and the club have stood by him, and they've brought in a you know an array of attacking players who, you know, can unlock defenses in a hundred number of different ways. So, um, like we said, I think we've been quite kind on Rangers actually today um, and we're willing to give Kachinia some some patience to, and, and, it, and it does look like he's building a squad there but Aberdeen are already ahead of them in that regard um, and I'd be I think it would take something for them to pip Aberdeen this season simply because um, Aberdeen just looked like the better team even if they might you know the sum of Aberdeen's parts is greater than Rangers even if Rangers have better individual players I put it that way um, and unless Rangers can really click and then push on in that regard then um I can't see them overcoming them. And what I will add actually is that, you know, just going back to this coming weekend, they've got Dundee at home and then they're away to Partick Thistle. Those are six games, those are six points they really have to pick up because after that, they've got Celtic, then they're away to Hamilton, then they're away to St. Johnston. And if they don't have the six points, the bedrock of six points going into that Celtic game and then, you know, maybe it's a draw of Hamilton and they lose in Perth, then things become very, very dangerous for Coutinho. I think it'll also depend on, on his... Uh, mindset as well. I think last season we saw him maybe get caught up in a little bit of of personal rivalry with uh, Derek McInnes. He actually was said something that was spot on about the end of a, a cycle for Aberdeen, and a lot of Aberdeen fans at the time um, re- refuted that and and, and argued with uh, with Cushini on that. But he was spot on. Um, but I, I think he he needs to kind of stay clear a little bit of that. Um, and even early on this season, the, the pressure has appeared at times to get to the to the Rangers players and to, to Kachinia as well. So we've kind of just briefly mentioned it there. He's been in Scotland a while now, like Kachinia. D- does he have the personality like of a manager that will succeed at Rangers? Does he have the right personality? Because obviously a lot a lot of the press here and a lot of um, obviously opposition fans after the McInnes spat and other things that he said in the media, people kind of questioned his temperament and whether he's essentially doing a Kevin Keegan and going off his nut. He, he, he actually, again, Rangers fans might not appreciate this comparison, but he actually reminds me of a lot of Ronnie Dyla, actually, in the sense that I think fans are willing to give him a chance. He seems, you know, in terms of tactics, and he seems to be quite a bright eyed, you know, he seems to be quite a pragmatic guy, um, at least in terms of like his tactics and the players he wants to play, and he seems to be quite interested in trying new things. He's not stuck in old ways by any chance. He's not, he's not arrogant or, you know, dov, um, ignorant, and if something doesn't work, he seems to be quite happy to change things around, like Dyla, but. The problem with Dial at Celtic was that thing, when things were going well, it was fine. But as soon as things changed, he didn't have a reputation to fall back on, and f- and because of that, fans are very quick to turn on him. Uh, and ultimately, that's what cost him his job at Celtic, in my opinion. And I think that might be that's that's a warning for Kachinia as well. You know, like we're saying right now, it looks like they are slowly building a squad together, and you know they could pick up six points in the next two games, and fans will be happy with that. But um, if that begins to fall apart, then there's nothing for fans to say, oh, well, you know, he's, he's, he's proved himself in the past. And so, yeah, I think he, he's going to have to live by results week to week for the time being until he can actually prove himself for Rangers. I, I like Pedro Cachinho as a guy. I think he, I think all Rangers fans seem to like him as, as, as a person. I think most, um, even neutrals, like him as, as a person. It's just, whether, as we've said, whether he has that that mentality. One thing I do, I do wish he would stop saying in, in interviews is like little taglines. He keeps on, like for instance, one he, once he said, we are the people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, an, in a media interview. I said that a couple of times. Uh, I mean, can you imagine like Gord Strachan saying like, do a deer, working that into, into an answer? 
I used to live. I used. Uh, do you know what it reminded me of a little bit was I used to live above, uh, like a, a Rangers pub, um, and I would hear out the window um, Rangers fans having their conversations, and then at the end of the conversation they would sign off with "We are the people." Yeah. It's like, it'd be like Brendan Rodgers ending every sentence with "Hail, hail" or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to rally the fans and everything, but it's, it's, you, there's certain ways to do it and just throwing in we are the people into a media answer is maybe not the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess finally, uh, we've kind of avoided comparison between the old firm, but obviously the measure of a Rangers team is how they are compared to a Celtic team. And let's call it the Celtic spectrum. Um, sorry if that upsets Rangers fans. But in, in terms of how good the Celtic team are is what I mean. Where are Rangers in comparison to that? Oh, they're still absolutely miles away not not even close um the 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 aim as we said earlier in the podcast for this season is a different one for rangers than it has been in in maybe their whole history it's just to close that gap so if they somehow finish less than what was it 31 or more than that i can't even remember 30 odd points they finished behind celtic last season if they finish closer than that it will be a successful season Uh, and if they finish second of course um i think at the moment, it's all very much short-term fixes. If you look at Bruno Alves and Graham Dorans, who we've both said that have been good signings, they're short-term signings. You know, they're not young players. They're not gonna. Rangers aren't gonna build a team on them for the next five years or so. So, it's all very, all very short-term. But they need that short-term fix, Rangers, before they can even start looking to the long-term. So, I actually don't think, as much as we've kind of half praised Rangers in this podcast, um, I don't think they've really made any progress in, in drawing Celtic back. Yeah, I don't think any comparisons to Celtic do anyone any favours at Rangers at the moment. Um, and I think, the, I think the club are quite happy to admit that, to be honest with you, when you hear the statements and things, and they're quite happy to point out how much Celtic are spending on wages, for example. I mean, Celtic probably spent two or three times the amount of wages that Rangers did last season. What Rangers do have to do uh, is they really need to catch Aberdeen this season. That's that's who they have to compare themselves because they are spending more money than Aberdeen. They've, they've, they have spent more money on Aberdeen. Um and you know, even not just in terms of like where they end in May. I mean, literally, like in the next. I mean, I just mentioned the fixtures before that. I've only just realised that, you know, at the end of the month they're playing Celtic at home. That's a game Rangers fans should just really try and get out of their head. That's the game they should be looking into thinking, yeah, maybe grab a draw, but you know, a defeat isn't the end of the world. We have we have to look beyond Celtic at the time. I mean, what they have to be focusing on is that away game in Hamilton afterwards, the game in St Johnson after that, and then. They're at home to Aberdeen. Those are the games they really have to focus on. Get Celtic out of your head. There's comparisons to them. It's aren't not going to happen. They're not going to. Most of Rangers fans, you can't tell Rangers yeah, fans but, to get Celtic. Well, out their but head. see, that's that. I mean, yeah, of course, but that's troubling because if 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 Cushinho is going to be compared to how he's doing against Celtic, he's never going to be able to, you know, practically build on competing with Aberdeen and that. Yeah, so they have to learn to walk before they can run in that regard. And walking is challenging Aberdeen. And if they can pip them, then I think that's a good that's that's a good season in my book. Finishing second above Aberdeen for this Cushinia side. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week with a completely different topic on the Two Point One Cast. In the meantime, you can follow all uh, the articles that are posted on the website on social media. That's uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, which is at the Two Point One. Uh, for more details on how you can subscribe to the website, you can go to the2.1.com. But until then, we'll see you next week.